everyone. Welcome to Don't Call Me a Guru. I'm your host, Linda Flang, and today we're talking all about social media in the 2019 federal election and what you can learn from how politicians and parties are using these platforms. Don't Call Me a Guru is recording at Nate's radio studio in Edmonton, Alberta, and is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB Financial. If you like this episode, listen to our old ones, rate the podcast, comment, post on social media, all those fun things. Uh, So we're going to get right into the conversation. We have two guests with us today. Uh, Dave Cornway is a well-known political writer at DaveBerta.ca and host of his own Dave Berta Politics Podcast, Alberta's Best Politics Podcast. (laughs) So a fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network as well. Also with us, uh, Catherine O'Neill, Strategic Counsel at the Adams Agency, specializing in media, government, crisis, reputation, and social media trends. Catherine's also a former journalist covering municipal, provincial, and federal campaigns and has worked on countless campaigns herself, including as a former provincial party candidate. Welcome, Dave and Catherine. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to put it out there that I don't know much about politics. I do my best to stay on top of things, but that is why I've invited uh, these uh, political experts um, to the podcast today. The discussion we're having is meant to be nonpartisan. It's more just looking at insights and what you listeners can learn from how this election's politicians and parties are choosing to use social, whether that's learning from their mistakes, replicating their successes, or just understanding why they might be doing what they're doing online. So my first question uh, is, what makes a politician or their team good at social media? How do you distinguish between politicians or parties who are using the platform well? Are there examples in this election where you've thought, hmm, that's that's a really good use of social or I liked that they did that? Um, Maybe we'll start with Catherine. Great question. Um, I have been really impressed with the campaign that's been run by Jagmeet Singh. Uh, I think that that's a sign, you know, any good social is always authentic, honest. It's showing behind the scenes stuff. It's got great photos, uh, good video, and they've really knocked it out of the park and they have no budget, <laughs> which I think is the most extraordinary thing when you compare it to the liberals and the and the conservatives. They've got big budgets, but they're not as interesting as what we're seeing coming out of Jugmeet's campaign. And, you know, take a look for people at home. Take a look because you can see it before the election. I mean, he's got videos of him cooking Punjabi poutine. He's got the recipe up. Mm-hmm. He's got his parents involved. He's dancing in photos. He's showing how long his hair is. <laughs> It's personable. Striking. And it reminds me of a lot what Trudeau did in 2015. So he's torn a page out of that playbook a bit. And uh, Trudeau couldn't go back to that well. And he's managed to replicate it. But in a way that's really accessible. And, and, you know, even on TikTok and Snapchat, he's got these funny videos. He's on TikTok? Well, there's videos of him. Oh, yes. Tons of them. Go look. And they're all pretty flattering and the other guys don't get away with that right (laughs) so from a success story that's one that just uh, it's a it's very notable very very notable compared to the others and um it's for anybody who just studies this it's Mm -hmm. a clinic and how to do it well and it's not too much and he's got his wife involved and she's got almost a hundred thousand followers he's using influencers Hmm. which i think is really that's the first time i've really seen that done well by politicians where he brought in a poet from a best-selling new york times poet who had 3.4 million instagram followers in his right. social media. So to talk about him, to yeah. To talk about him, and I and I think that that's working well for him. So definitely uh, Jugmeet has, is leading the pack for sure. 
And it's awesome when you look at it because it, it's not a lot of money. It's just a lot of creativity. Perfect. What about you, Dave? Any standouts? Well, I mean, Jagmeet Singh's is, uh, his social media is, is really is the one that stands out, at least in, in, especially in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the, I guess, funny or frustrating for New Democrats that for one of, one of the biggest criticisms of, of, of Jagmeet, Jagmeet Singh going into the election was that Canadians didn't know who he was, he didn't mm-hmm. have a high profile, and then all of a sudden he seems to be kind of taking off in the past couple weeks of the election campaign. Right. Um, so the question is, where, where, where has he been this whole time? <laughs> why, why did he wait? Yeah, <laughs> did he, and is it enough, like, politically speaking, electorally, yeah. is it enough for the new, new Democrats for him to be getting this kind of profile and this kind of, what would appear to, would at least appear to be momentum mm-hmm. uh, going into the final weekend of mm-hmm. the election? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it might be a bit too late for sure, but it's, it's, Interesting nonetheless, and I think that's for anybody who's in politics, they need to look at that because so often it's just putting photos up and the same old story, and it's quite boring to watch a lot of the political yeah. feeds because it just it all <laughs> looks the same. Here's Justin Trudeau, and here's Andrew Here's Schiff. that handshake. Yeah. yeah. It just looks the same, but his has a – and even the photography is quite It's beautiful. different, yeah. So yeah. I think it's all of those elements have come together, and he's just really authentic when he talks, and it, it, it just connects. Yeah. I love that. One, one of the interesting things, just not necessarily about any specific campaign, but just kind of I've seen candidates across the political spectrum, across the different parties use this, is is – candidates on Instagram using boomerang it's like everybody's using it and it's kind of it's kind of silly now every time I'm just going through my my Instagram stories looking at candidates whether it's I don't know I'm not going to pick on anybody James, yeah. James Cumming is the last one I saw yep. conservative in Edmonton, Edmonton Center and you see other candidates doing too but it's like every every third Instagram story is like a boomerang oh here's some door knockers and I'm like okay well you're not really adding any yeah. anything with what's different with this I mean, yeah. yeah it's kind of fun but like not really engaging after uh after the eighth one. Right. <laughs> and after, you know, and after Boomerang's been around for a while, too, and everyone's kind of seen that. Yeah. That's funny. Um, what about, I guess, on the flip side, where do you, and, this, and you know, limit your answers, because I feel like we can go long on this, but where do you think politicians go wrong online and what they're doing on social? Um, are, there, are there just general uh, things that you've seen or specific examples of, of how they should not be using social media to, to engage or... or you know, inspire voters? Well, I always think if there's no call to action, you, you've failed right away. The, the whole point of engaging politically when you're online is to get something out of it. You're trying to get votes or, or money or, or uh, volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so the people that go out there and just put up something and there's just nothing, there's no connection there. There's no, okay, come help us or come do this. And I, I've seen that quite a bit because I think a lot of people don't know how to use social media. I was saying to you before the interview started that, you know, a, a campaign is a pop-up startup and it is on steroids. And for a lot of people, they're coming into the space and social media is always kind of often, sadly, the last thing they think about when right now, it is should be really high on the list of priorities mm-hmm. for a campaign because it can get you money, it can get you volunteers, and it definitely can find you voter engagement and voter identification. So it's those people who just put stuff up, it's mediocre photos or dumb taglines, and 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 just there's no thought put into it. I don't and I don't want to name any for sure. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't lend anything, but you, anybody who's been on social media has seen it. Mm-hmm. So when you see bad political <laughs> social media, you know what it is. But when you see something that stops you. It's kind of rare, unfortunately, right now. And, uh, you know, south of the border, we're seeing all these great examples from AOC Mm. or Beto O'Rourke. They really 
changed a lot of how social media is done by politicians south of the border. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing it come up here, but it's slowly coming up here. Yeah, w- one of the things I think is a big difference, I think it's interesting that you raise AOC and uh, Beto O'Rourke, is that, I mean, one of the big differences between Canadian politics, federal politics, and American politics is that if you're a U.S. congressman or a candidate running for president, uh, you have a lot more independence to do what you want to do. Whereas candidates, if you're running in a, if you're running for whatever political party, I mean, except maybe the Green Party, which Green candidates kind of do, kind of, sometimes kind of do their own thing. Um, but uh, but generally, the parties have pretty strict discipline, and you, there's a there's kind of a disincentive to kind of deviate to do things that are incredibly that could be too risky because mm-hmm. it could reflect poorly on the leader leader because some I mean so much in our federal election campaigns. Um, in terms of how voters decide decide who to vote for, so much of so much of the influence comes from the parties mm-hmm. and the political leaders. And there's, I mean, I've seen studies that say maybe up to five percent of of voters decide based on who the individual candidate is in the, in their riding, depending on who the candidate is. Right. So someone who's high profile, who's well known or very well well organized mm-hmm. or um, uh, integrated into into the, the community, the community yeah. uh, then that makes a big difference. But but generally, it's it's. I think there's there's a disincentive for local candidates to kind of do the things that that might be taking seen as taking risks mm-hmm. because they don't want to. I think they're discouraged because the parties don't want to want to create want to want to embarrass themselves. Right, which, Even, is, which is really too bad. Right, and because it's the risk is where. Yeah. And yeah. I just. The risk is worth it. And right. Why are you running then? If you can't be trusted yeah. with your social media accounts, <laughs> you really shouldn't be trusted in public service. I think that's a, just a small bar that everyone should be able to cross. And yeah, locally, I, you know, at least I, I've seen James stuff. I think he's doing stuff at least. Oh, he's doing There's stuff. so yeah. many candidates that don't. Do nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Or just are on a fight on social media. <laughs> Twitter, which, again, that's not getting voter engagement donations. It's just a fight on Twitter. I mean, it's a waste of time. And a lot, I think politicians hopefully are steering away from that, but you still see it for so sure. Scared. And it's like, really? The, the, that's the lowest, like you can't be trusted on social media. Really? Well, <laughs> I really don't think you should be in public office if you can't conduct yourself accordingly on social media. And I wish parties saw it as the wonderful thing it can be. This The potential to, versus this potential the, versus the risk. Right. Do you think, I think you've sort of said it, but should all politicians or all people that want, that are running or want to be elected, they need to be on social media in kind of this day and age? A hundred percent. That is where a lot of the public is. We're all carrying phones right now. This is how a lot of people <laughs> this is where this is where a lot of people live. And you should be able to have conversations with people. You should be able to present your vision on social media and not be afraid of it as a that's going to backfire. Um, it's it's imperative to be able to communicate that way and the people that have been really successful uh, are the people that aren't afraid of it and see it as an opportunity instead of a huge risk yeah absolutely it's important to have a presence on on social media i mean i guess i guess depending on what what you're running for uh what kind of candidate you are in terms of your own your own personality or what kind of campaign you're running i think that's going to determine where you spend most of your resources. Like, there are candidates who are not Twitter candidates. There are candidates who should not be on, who probably should, should not be on Twitter because it, 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 uh, they'll spend most of their time, most of their time arguing right. uh, on Twitter. Um, but having some presence, I think it's too important not to have a presence. Um, but I think that you can also go too far. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, social media isn't the... Be- social media doesn't replace, like, face-to-face contact, mm-hmm. right? Like, if... if 
it's important that you have a Facebook page or have some some a website. Kind of a, a website. Yeah. You, you have to. Have, you should have a presence because people are going to be looking for you. And it's important because if you don't have a website, or you don't have a Facebook page. Like in your candidate, like you barely exist. Then mm-hmm. um, how can people find more information? You do you track yeah. people, and yeah. you like you must see it more than anyone because you track candidates because he on his website and there's often people that don't have anything and no just, presence yeah I, is that still surprise you today when you it does <laughs> yeah it does I mean it's, it's, kind it's of, like, it should be kind of like a, one of the things on your on, on your on checklist, your checklist right yeah okay, get my domain name uh, <laughs> uh, set up a Facebook page right. like like that kind of stuff and you don't have to be you know I mean different campaigns have different levels of resources right um, so early on in your campaign you should probably decide well what are we going to focus on? Right. I don't have the, you know, I, 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 as a candidate or a campaign manager or a communications uh, coordinator or communications chairperson, uh, you may only have the resources to do certain things. So you may want to focus on Instagram mm-hmm. and that's your thing. Um, but I think having like having the, the types, having the pages that at least have having a Twitter at least page, exist. A, yeah. A, a page on Facebook that can direct people to to where, where you are active or yeah. where they can get that. Yeah. And that's just brand. That's just protecting your name Absolutely. as well. Yeah. And yeah. your brand as well. Yeah. And but I mean, it doesn't replace as I was saying before, it doesn't replace door knocking. It doesn't replace mm-hmm. the face to face kind of voter contact that, that, that like really drives still drives campaigns. Right. But it really does help to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of in a, a, a mass way. And, yeah. In a mass way. And it just helps augment it but nothing still nothing in all the research beats voter engagement via door knocking that that's where you're making that connection yeah i mean it's and this is a long conversation (laughs) we'll uh, we'll carry this conversation on dave's podcast campaigns really do carry the day and and the the local candidates really there's not a lot they can do except build their brand and do the door knocking voter id there's not a ton of of things they can do to move the needle as much as the central campaign Mm -hmm. that is that's a day (laughs) that's a day podcast um i remember in the provincial election actually there was uh there was a a nominee, um, and and I won't name it, but but I I remember there was backlash on social media, and the decision from that nominee was to just delete the account and not uh, not engage, not not engage with people who who are sharing that or talking to that. What what's your your take on um, approaching negativity or ne- negative comments that you might field on social media as a as a politician, and then you know as community managers, what you can take away from that? I mean, it, it always depends on the circumstance. Um, but my, I think my, my general rule is, is to approach negativity by killing them with kindness. <laughs> um, you know, there are some situations where, I mean, if you're, for example, if you're, if you have been caught doing a criminal act or something incredibly embarrassing or, or illegal, that's something totally different. But if someone, if you've said something dumb, mm-hmm. um, or something that contradicts your, you know, your party's platform or your leader or embarrasses your party. Um, I mean, I think being upfront about it is probably the best policy mm-hmm. in most circumstances. <laughs> I, w- I was hacked. <laughs> Don't yeah, say that. No, no one believes that. <laughs> it's, it's not true. You, you know. Yeah. yeah. As, a, as a former candidate, I've had people attack my children. I've been called to see you next Tuesday. I oh, been gosh. threatened, like, death threats. So I've seen some really heightened stuff. and. Like, I don't engage it much, and it stops it, because I find, like, the second you engage it, it's just an avalanche. They'll never be satisfied, yeah. And it's just, 
keep your eye on the prize. When you're, why are you doing this? You're trying to tell your story. You're trying to build your brand. But most of all, you're trying to get people to vote for you. That is what you're doing for all of this. In the end, yes. So I always say to candidates, do not get into the weeds on, you know, people are going to be there just to waste your time. Everyone wants that last word, though. (laughs) It's hard to. But you've got to be very, very disciplined. Yeah. I mean, arguing with partisans is like the most frustrating thing. Because you're never going mean, to change their mind. It's unlikely that you're going to change the person's mind. <laughs> With your tweets, yeah. You know you're right. Yeah. You're both right. Uh, so, locally, um, there was an artificial intelligent bot called the Parody Bot that has uh, been launched. It's created by Parody Yeg. It's been sending positive tweets uh, anytime it detects an abusive tweet directed at women in politics. So, I thought this was a really cool way uh, to use AI um, and kind of a different or innovative technology. Um, maybe speaks to how organizations should should try to use interesting unexpected uh, tools are you um, are you seeing more digital innovation you know when it comes to politicians parties el- elections or maybe you're seeing that in with jug meets uh, content um, but for the most part is it is it kind of more or less the same and and why is that good why is that bad Unfortunately, I still think people are just too scared to use this, to use social media as much as they could. Mm -hmm. I I really still think there's quite a bit of opportunity there. And I still think where people are still tiptoeing around being too, like not seeing the upside of it. But, you know, that parody Yang bot is an awesome idea. I don't know how much it's going to do, but it's nice to just know that there's people out there that are trying to to put some positivity into the world because... (laughs) It's not easy to put your name forward and no. the attacks people get. And I'd rather see more people get into the political arena than less. And I think if this election's done anything, it's probably turned many, many people off. off. The idea of ever entering politics because it just doesn't look like a happy place to go. And so it's nice to see there's some pushback. I really think that that initiative is amazing. And again, jug, I mean, I don't want this to be the jug meeting. <laughs> stuff stands out yes you know negative attacks are there's a time and a place for them in politics it works often unfortunately but the positive stuff to me because there's such there isn't as much of it anymore it does stick out it it sticks out in a way that's it it stops you in your tracks and i think that that's that says a lot yeah it's it's, uh it's troubling that we've reached the point where nice where nice (laughs) stuff (laughs) stop people Yes. It's kind of flipped it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> weird. yeah it's but really weird. but it, I mean, it can, it can be powerful. I mean, I think that like I th- you, you look back to the twenty fifteen election. I mean, most of what the liberals their their narrative, the Trudeau narrative, was a positive narrative mm-hmm. in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you go back to tw- twenty eleven, Jack Layton, Hope, and mm-hmm. and Barack Obama. I don't want to everybody uses the Obama. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but talk, talk, talking about pos- like but it positive it narratives, it and, it wor- and, it, it and it does work, no, right? And it doesn't always work, but it no. works in some scenarios, and it works when something's so negative, all of a sudden something comes out of the woodwork, and people are like, whoa, we're hungry for this. Yeah. And you, d- you didn't realize that was what you wanted yeah, <laughs> until you see it. Because really it has been a campaign of attacks online, and there's been a lot of negative memes and really solidifying bases because of the fact that the polls, and again, this is a Dave podcast thing, <laughs> the polls are so tight that people are just trying to keep their bases happy. Oh, yeah. Parties just, are speaking to their bases. Yeah, they're That's, keeping yeah. people happy. They're not moving up beyond that. And it's, yeah. to me, if I was giving communications advice to a central campaign, I'd be like, do, be positive. It will stand out mm-hmm. because everything has just looked the same. 
otherwise. So uh, after the debate, whether or not he was the winner, um, Andrew Shear's team rolled out on social media a Shear wins the debate graphics and posts. That's the thing. That's his oldest time. So it just because of social media now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're seeing that on social media. My first thought was, um, my first thought was that a lot of people who are using the internet, uh, and it goes back to you know, there's a stat that says most people don't actually click the articles that are being shared online. They just see the headline, they see that post, they see the text, and then they kind of take that to be the truth. Uh, do you think politicians take advantage of sort of the retweet trigger happy behavior of people not really diving in to learn more? Uh, and is that something that that social media managers and organizations should should replicate? <laughs> Well, to answer your first question, yes, the parties are doing that. As as Catherine said, uh, or alluded to, parties before social media, they would always send out a press release. Or, or, or the spinners would be scrumming, yeah. saying, claiming we that won. their part, you know, it was very clear that their, that their, <laughs> that they lost, their yeah. leader or their candidate didn't win yeah. uh, the debate. It, uh, Yeah, so this is something old. Uh, it, and I think in terms of, of how the con- federal conservatives have used that in particular, putting out those, ima- those images. They're very, that, yeah. That Andrew Scheer Andrew Shear wins the debate. Uh, and I think they did the same with the French debate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a, it's solidifying the base, and it's again, uh, yeah, it's sending a message out to a lot of people who probably didn't watch the debate, right? And that's it. Just to add to that, that what I think is, it's such social media is so visual. People don't like to read. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so those kind of things, kind of those cold notes, uh, are helpful for some people, and rightly, right? It's it might be right or it might be wrong, but it's to do it. People are going to look at it and go, oh, look, Andrew Shear won the debate, and then they'll and just keep scrolling. That's the water cooler talk and of the next day. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I think it's like strategically smart. Trying, yeah, it's smart to put that out there. And the fact that you know that uh, on social media, people are not reading long things. They just want the visuals. They want to scroll through and kind of see the news really quickly. And that's why video, I think, is so popular. People just want to watch video, look at pictures. And that's in politics just the same as any other kind of marketing that you'd see in social media. Great. Uh, So we're going to take a quick uh, ad break. And then when we get back, we will continue our social media and politics discussion with Dave and Catherine. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes a weekly food roundup sharing the latest on restaurants, chefs, producers, events, and more. It's curated by Sharon Yo, a longtime blogger at Only Here for the Food and a keen student of Edmonton's food scene. Subscribe to the food roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. All right, welcome back to Don't Call Me a Guru. We are joined by Dave Cornway and Catherine O'Neill to talk about politics and social media. Um, So something I saw recently was a tweet by a local digital strategist, Chris McCoolin, who said it was weird he hasn't seen any paid social ads from the liberals this year. Then you got a bunch of replies back from people outside of Alberta saying they'd seen a ton of ads. So he went and checked uh, Trudeau's Facebook, so you're able to check uh, different pages and how much they're spending on ads. Um, It actually turned out that he's spending uh, several hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads, just not in Alberta. Um, so just what what's your take on this strategy? Do you think it's smart to avoid maybe an area or an audience that, that would just give you backlash anyway? Is that a good use of their time? Um, yeah, but... Dave, well, I, I saw a liberal ad on my face, on my Facebook feed this morning when I was preparing for this. 
So, so there are some. some uh, I'm in Edmonton Grease Spot. But I work in Edmonton, but I work in Edmonton Center. So maybe it was because I was in Edmonton. It's specific, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, so I can see that. Yeah. Um, so it could depend on where you're living or where you're working, basically, it's, it's right? It's like laser focused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, and I expect the liberal ads in Alberta are going to be laser focused. So Edmonton Center, Edmonton Mill Woods. Uh, Strathcona. Pro- Strathcona, probably Calgary Center, where Kent Hare is running for re-election. Mm-hmm. Um, but o- overall, I mean, the Liberal Party isn't really pouring a ton of resources into Alberta because most of the ridings are wrapped up, basically, and are going to be voting conservative, with the exception of three or four that are that are competitive races. So it's not too surprising that, that we're not seeing the... the uh, They're choosing to spend elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would be surprised if the conservatives are spending much money and many resources actually in Alberta. Here as well, because they because, know it's in the bag. Yeah, no. <laughs> with the exception of, of yeah. those few ridings. Of those, of those t- competitive ridings, yeah. they, they, you just won. But it is really interesting that social media and just the ad buys that you can do have allowed parties to really micro-target, like to uh, the age group, to the gender. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, Postal it's, code, yeah. Postal code. It has really helped campaigns to just go after the voter that they know will come out and vote for them. Because again, we go back to it, it's all about voter engagement and identification. And so it was interesting before, again, before we started, I looked at the ad library and Trudeau in the last week has spent 200 grand. <laughs> just, and, just seven days, 700 yeah. 700 since June. And I mean, comparatively to, to Trump, I think Trump spent 700 in Facebook ads in one week last week. But still, <laughs> in Canadian politics. That's, that's a lot of lot. money. So it's, it's they're in where they, you know, in, in ridings that are competitive, probably in Ontario, probably in Quebec, a lot of money is being spent by the local riding associations, by Trudeau, by the Liberal Party. Um, I know that the Conservatives are spending a ton of money on buys, um, but going back to the NDP, they're not. Um, they're getting the organic reach by the fact their content is really starting to just mm-hmm. people are going to it naturally. All those jug meat videos I just keep seeing shared on, yeah. on yeah. across the board on my Which social is networks. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not how you usually get your content shared, and it's really important because. What happens on the back end is all of these parties, and, and Dave knows this, all of these parties have very sophisticated voter identification systems. They can actually go in and scrape voter information out of when someone clicks or whatever, and yep. they go back, put it into your database, and then make sure that they, they make sure that, that voter gets out to vote on election day. They're not going to go and tell the voter that's not supporting them to vote. And that's to do that, yeah. That's why you're just not seeing the ads. If you're in... Think of a really safe Alberta riding. <laughs> Many. Uh, yellow Battle hat. River Crowfoot. They're not getting any Facebook there's ads not, there yet. Social media dollar being spent by anybody. It's, it's about not worth it. Being strategic about right. knowing your audience and then targeting and them in that that's way. That's really great for parties, but generally for democracy, I worry because you're not talking to everybody and that's the, the long-term repercussions as someone who cares deeply about politics it's kind of just these bubbles that yeah, they're the speaking bubbles. to yeah they're already living in their own bubbles <laughs> on their phone and now the politicians have created bubbles and and that's not healthy and i think in the long term we're gonna have to hopefully that that's we're reassessing i mean there's always the campaign people can get news from the media but a lot of people are tuning that out too so all you're getting is the pop-ups or something that your friends share. And if people aren't sharing stuff from a certain case, you're never going to see it. Mm-hmm. You just aren't going to see it. And that's not like 10 years ago where 
there, there was certain traditional media where you just saw the campaign. Regardless of Regardless. your stripe. Yeah. yeah, and parties had to throw a kind of toss up a, a, a wider net yeah. because, because it wasn't as easy to specifically target, micro-target mm-hmm. your supporters. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think one of the things that concerns me about parties so being so focused on targeting their supporters is that not only are they not speaking to people in other parties, but they're not speaking to the largest block of uh, in largest individual block, which is people who don't vote. Yeah. So like no one's speaking to people who don't vote, which is which is which concerning. is the problem. Yeah, and that, and that, we can you know when 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 you come on the Dave Berta podcast, talk about like the structural systematic problems. Yeah. It's not just social media or elections. It's like a yes. uh, a politics yeah. wide uh, uh, dead zone. Uh, dead zone, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's a problem. Um, but t- t- two specific things talking about um, the the ads and targeting. Yep. Um, the NDP aren't spending much money, as much money as the conservatives and the liberals on ads. But what I noticed on their uh, Facebook, uh, the Facebook red ad registry today is mm-hmm. the NDP are, uh, you can see which ridings the NDP are targeting specifically because they're doing these ads targeted to specific ridings saying only an NDP candidate can win in blank in uh, Kowachin and Nanaimo or right. win in Edmonton, Strathcona, which was one of them, which is, so you can see kind of the target, where, where some of their, their federal ads are being targeted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can also see the messages that the parties are pushing. Oh, like yeah, today, the liberals just, <laughs> just, just loaded a whole ton of ads, uh, attacking the conservatives on climate change issues. And you can see there's little videos of the photo of Andrew Shear and Stephen Harper, and they're really going hard. Now these mm-hmm. ads, the, the, the registry doesn't tell you where specifically these these ads are being targeted, for sure. But, but they're you telling, can see, yeah. you know, get an idea of what the party's messages are. One of the things I think is going to be really interesting on election day. Now, I heard this. I haven't heard a case of this happening or being used in Canada, and it may have. Um, but in the United States, I've been told that some campaigns are so sophisticated in their micro targeting of their ads mm-hmm. that they figured out how to pinpoint polling stations, voting stations on election oh, day. Oh, gosh. So that while people are waiting in line to vote, scrolling, kind of scrolling through, through their feeds, yeah. you'll, you'll see an ad for candidate X or candidate Z. Uh, right Last minute, the change your mind maybe. Yeah, yeah which is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's super cool stuff. Um, and I'd be really interested to see if campaigns in this election do that. Now, I wonder, I think we have rules around advertising on election day, day. in Canada. Now, I wonder if that apply, also applies to social media. And I'm not sure. Something I'll look up this weekend. Yeah. And then you I can. I don't think it does because I know of a campaign that did that um, in the provincial campaign. Okay. But I don't know federally if there's, yeah. Okay. If there's rules around that. But. Yeah, it's it's just become so sophisticated how people are, how the parties are targeting people. And as a consumer, I'd say the person that's listening at home, really think about it. You know, why am I being shown this ad? <laughs> yeah. Why is this called? <laughs> what did I like that made what this show? Like? <laughs> and uh, do and and it's to me, it's just it's that next step and it's very sophisticated and the parties are smart in the way they're doing it. That's they can go back, go, they can go look in and they can go tell who is the voter and all that kind of stuff. That's great for them. But again, for the voter, it's frustrating because if you're the non-voter who never mm-hmm. votes, you're just, you, you'll never see a thing. Don't forget. So it's, so it's use the tools that are available to you, the technology that's available to you. And yes, you know, targeting in or honing in on an audience and making it really relevant to them yeah. is wonderful, but don't forget about 
the the potential group. A wider net and yes, to and the opportunity that. in that wider net. And see the opportunity of that instead of just being so like your blinders on. Mm-hmm. Sure that you're just. But again, it's such a close election. I can see why the parties are really doing it in this case because every vote is going. I mean, it's life or death for a lot of these parties right now, whether they're going to get, you know, a minority, they're going to be holding the balance of power. There's so many stakes here. So I can see why this election has been really, really laser focused on where they're going. I think the other interesting part about all of uh, this type of ad or or looking at the ad library um, for even, you know, non-politicians or non-parties is as an organization, you now have this opportunity to really creep on what your competitors are doing and the messages that they're sharing and how much money that they're spending. (laughs) <laughs> this is really quite because you really can you can see the ad you can see who, what they're. Saying. It gives you a lot of information. It, it gives you a lot, and uh, back to the parties. What ha- what I've seen a few of them do is that if something's not working, they're going back to the drawing board really quickly because it's metrics or everything. I know the liberals mm-hmm. are just all about the numbers. Mm-hmm. They make sure though they are just looking at them all the time and then reassessing and redoing if it's not working. So you're gonna you can see how they're re. Rejigging. Rejigging all the time in real time because these numbers are updated. All it's time. really cool. Yeah. I and find it, it fascinating. And the whole um, ad library or that transparency of what pages are spending um, and, and who's creating these ads that all came honestly probably out of the Trump uh, American election and how people felt cheated and uh, mis- misled, I suppose, into all the other platforms would do this because I, you know, uh, Facebook's always been a leader uh, in that, I think. And Obviously, I think people spend usually their digital marketing dollars um, are probably largely spent on Facebook slash Instagram uh, today. But yeah, that that would be great to see what's happening on Twitter, um, Snapchat, yeah, all, all of those platforms where there's big bucks being spent. It'd be really nice to see it to make it more because it's it's a democratic process. It's very transparent, and this has made it. It's been really. I've, I've, I've <laughs> you're just you're just on the library that. like all day. <laughs> I found it quite fascinating. I mean, it's not just looking at what the parties are are doing in terms of uh, online advertising, but also third party groups. Mm. There are a lot of third party advertisers in this election uh, that are taking out ads. And it's, it's interesting to see, you know, you can do keyword searches or you can do search by the page of the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see who's targeting what. You have a whole bunch of organizations um, that kind of popped up. It's sort of a cottage industry. These kind of uh, very right-wing organizations that have popped up. Right. And mm-hmm. left-wing. And left-wing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about like Canada Proud, yes, yes. Watch. <laughs> Do a whole list. <laughs> anyway. That'll be on the crossover yeah. episode on the Dave Berta podcast. <laughs> there just there are a lot of other actors in an mm-hmm. election. That's what we're getting at, mm-hmm. and those you can go and look. It's just knowing who who yeah. and why are they paying yeah. for this to show up in your feed. How much they're spending? You can see what they're saying. And again, as a consumer and a political, you know, someone who's interested, even if you're not, go look. Go look at what they're mm-hmm. saying. You can go. It's it's accessible. I think it's amazing. It'd be funny because you could, you know, look to see what your competitor's ad is that, you know, day and then basically come up with a counter ad almost speaking exactly towards that uh, to that specific audience, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's been interesting because some of the parties get caught in... Um, oh, I don't. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> saying one thing in one part of the country and not the or other. Say, yeah, we're saying one thing in different in one language <laughs> yes, and saying another yes. thing in a different language. Yeah, 
And <laughs> and both the conservatives and liberals I've noticed have been they've been running Chinese language ads mm. uh, across the country, and they they're using different messages than they're using in their English ads. Right. Yeah. And the conservatives got caught a few weeks ago um, talking about how the liberals were claiming the liberals wanted to de de I think or decriminalize hard drugs. Right. And they were running those in in the Chinese language ads, but not in the English ads. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, unless you unless you're on Facebook and you. Facebook in Chinese or speak in Chinese or you fall into the right kind of demographic target without the Facebook, the register, the ad registry. You wouldn't you know that they're doing that. Ads. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of get an idea of, of what the parties are saying to different communities, um, communities of voters across the country. And we could never see that before. Yeah. Like that was just so hidden. And it's like what a before social media politician would go in one room, say something and then go down the street and say something completely different. It was almost impossible to catch somebody. <laughs> you know, it had to be taped or a reporter or something. Mm-hmm. But this is just much more accountability. What's going on? And I, I don't know why you say be saying different things because of the fact it's so easy to catch it. But again, it's that's how close the selection is. People have to solidify their base, and that's what's happening. Great. Um, okay, we're going to take one more ad break, and then uh, we'll come back with a few more questions in a what I think has been a pretty insightful political <laughs> social media podcast. <laughs> this episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by TELUS World of Science Edmonton, home of the Canadian debut of Marvel Universe of Superheroes. The exhibition runs October 19 to February 17. Edmonton is the first and so far only Canadian city to host the exhibit which features more than 300 artifacts, costumes, props, and interactive elements to bring the Marvel Universe to life. Travel through the mysterious mirror dimensions of Doctor Strange, digitally transform into Iron Man, and pose for selfies with Black Panther, Spider-Man, and other iconic Marvel characters. Learn the story of Marvel and its influence on visual culture. See rare hand drawings, images of iconic heroes such as Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Captain America. Experience a thrilling soundscape by composers Lorne Balf and Hans Zimmer. 2019 marks the 80th anniversary of Marvel. Buy your tickets today at tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca. That's tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca. All right, we're back. You're listening to Don't Call Me a Guru. It's our politics and social media episode, given that the federal election uh, is happening right around the corner. And depending on when you're listening to this, maybe you already know who the winner is. (laughs) Uh, Joined by Dave and Catherine. And so it's been reported um, that Elections Canada has, uh, so we're talking about how the parties and the politicians have been spending a lot of money on their ads, that sort of thing, uh, on social media. Elections Canada has also been spending a fair bit of dollars um, on advertising Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, It's mostly election information, um, recognizing that's where a lot of Canadians are probably getting their news and information now. I know in the provincial election, I had noticed branded election hashtags, Instagram story stickers. Um, Do you think trying to use the these different features is an effective way to either engage but also actually get people to vote for you? A hundred percent. You know, millennials are the largest voting eligible voting block in this election. And um, that's where a lot of millennials live. They're on their phones and they're going to be on social media platforms. I think it's a great strategy. We've seen a massive increase in uh, voter turnout for the advanced polls. I think it was up by 29 percent. 
I don't think that means that we're going to have a really huge turnout overall, but I think it shows that people were aware there was an advanced poll. They Mm -hmm. took advantage of it. And I think it goes back to the advertising that was done. Um, I think they could have gone a bit further, though. I I heard there was blowback against a plan by, I think, Elections Canada to have, like, an influencer. Yes, I did. I I did hear that, yeah. actually gone that step. Because that's how a lot of the because they had recorded videos, but then they didn't go yeah, they, they uh, with it. I think yeah, they scrapped there, it. There yeah, was a, there was people complaining it was too much or whatever. But I don't think that that you know you listen to the people who who in your community that you know they're influenced in that sphere for you. Yeah, and I think that that was very. I think they should have tested that. I think they could have gone a bit further because. We all have people that we look up to in all of our social groups, mm-hmm. and I think that they could have. But I think overall, it, it shows obviously with the turnout that something's working, and it has. To, I think it goes back to social media: the fact that they're out there, they're aggressive, they're speaking the right language, they look appropriate to the platforms mm-hmm. they're on, and it's. I think that's great. People want to share a sticker showing that they voted. <laughs> That that drives them. <laughs> yeah, it's like a uh, it's a it's a herd thing. It's a social acceptance thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the issue with with the influencers was that they'd found one or two who had made made oh, kind of political it? comments because yeah. it was supposed to be yeah. nonpartisan. Yes, that's fine. It's, it's, it's troubling. I mean, it's it's not, tr- not troubling isn't the isn't the correct word. It, I mean, elections elections Canada or elections Alberta. I mean, they they have to be nonpartisan. Exactly. Uh, so I mean, that's point taken. So a bit more research, maybe, yeah. in who they would have selected. Perhaps. Yes. And, but but they also have a mandate to encourage voter turnout. Yes. Um, and and I think that these this, these types of ad campaigns are a great way to do it. I mean, I think they need to be getting out there and, and informing Canadians. Uh, of of how to vote, of, of what's it's uh, you know what what the process is, how easy, how it, easy is it is to vote. to vote, and I mean I've I've read studies that that say that if a young person votes once, they're like seventy times more likely or something like that to vote in the in in the, in the following election. Yeah. So if you get someone young, young they're likely to to be a uh, a participant in 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 elections in in years to come. I mean I think that it, it's great that. Um, that we saw, we've seen higher voter turnout here in this federal election. We had huge advanced voter turnout in the federal area, in the provincial election. I mean, advanced turnout in this federal election, but we had huge voter turnout in the in the provincial election. Mm-hmm. But it didn't necessarily translate yeah. to an overall <laughs> turnout, b- better turnout in the in, in in voting after election day. It just it just election the elections uh, authority made it very easy and extremely convenient for people to get out to vote, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of whether people vote on election day or vote in the advance polls, if they're getting out to vote, then that's really what matters. that's the win. Yeah. Um, but I think they need to figure out that kind of special formula of okay, well we've We've made it super easy and super convenient. How do we actually get like a ton of more people totally, out to yeah. vote? And I'm right. going to be very interested to see whether in their final report, which I think is due out soon, mm. whether Elections Alberta actually includes any information around advertising and if they include metrics. Their any, digital efforts. Any kind of yeah background. How many it. times the stickers was used. Yeah, I might have absolutely. seen I might have seen something like that. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, there's still a long way to go. And. Obviously, it's working a bit, but there's there's a stra- there's part of the strategy that's still missing. They're not getting the people that just aren't voting for some reason, mm-hmm. and they're they're on social media, so obviously they're not going for some reason. So, the influencers bit is interesting. I think before the interview, you you had um, said you're seeing far more Instagram uh, use this election. Um, maybe this is not the the influencer marketing election, but you're but maybe a little bit of that, and maybe next election you'll see more of that I, too. I totally <laughs> think Instagram is is where 
people because Insta stories have really become so popular and I think that that's I'd really love to see how much they're spending on on that platform because I think that, that there's quite a bit of money being put in there and because of the fact there's no database to see what you're promoting or what you're saying it'd be if I was a you know in a community a war room right now I'd be like looking at a war room, something yeah. where you'd say okay let's put the money there because you can't really see it's harder for your competition but uh yeah it's um Instagram, I've just noticed a huge uptake by all po- a lot of politicians and using it and using it pretty well. Like Jugmeet, he's he's giving a clinic. Uh, even like Andrew Shear, uh, Trudeau has been actually pretty disappointing. It's it's been very predictable, but mm-hmm. still using it aggressively. Mm-hmm. Curious what your take is on. Um, I I don't follow a ton of politicians on Instagram, so I'm not sure in terms of Instagram story if they're employing the you know looking right into the camera and talking to the camera sort of strategy that a lot of Instagrammers influencers tend to do. do have you seen a lot of that? Like this kind of trying to show their their honest true self. <laughs> it's a real mix, but I think the person that people should look at AOC's Instagram is she's there gardening. She's there, you know, <laughs> making mac and cheese. She's, she's there. Yeah, didn't she do mac and cheese while doing some type of political? Just <laughs> 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 some multitasking. Very intimate. And yes. Then, and it's, it's, that's why I think it's so successful because it just seems to, to break down that layer between the politician and the person. Like, Politicians just look very packaged all the time. And mm-hmm. Instagram is a great way to look like a human. And I hate saying that, but mm-hmm. it's true. <laughs> uh, to look like just a normal person yes. who has a normal life. And here's me mowing the lawn or whatever you're doing. And so I have, it's been successful. I've seen a lot of politicians in this election use it in a way that's, particularly in the central campaign, in a way that's pretty authentic. And uh, you've seen some fun things like Jugmeet yesterday, again, to Jugmeet. But he had his parents on his plane and, you know, showing, mm-hmm. you know, them around. and How to put the seats down. Yeah, yeah just as someone, just you can get you, yeah. everyone has parents. Everybody. <laughs> We're trying to figure out how yeah. to put the seats down. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, but that's the biggest tip for any politician. Like, if you're going to be on Insta or any platform, speak in the way that the platform is being used. Instagram is very, you know, authentic. and you, It tries to be, yeah. It tries, it, it tries, tries to be, yeah. When, when it works, yeah. When it works. So if it's, look at what other people are doing and trying to emulate it if you're like terrible. Perfect. But if you just go on and spew the talking points and you, you, that's boring. boring, 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 boring. I think it's true in a lot of industries that social media work isn't a nine to five during business hours kind of job. Uh, wondering what your take is on, you know, political social media is that the same is timing of a social post crucial uh, for how much attention it gets or how effective it is um you know do they have to be on all the time i mean yeah it's it's not a nine to five thing because campaigns are not nine to five operations um that said i mean if you're posting stuff at like on twitter at like three in the morning no one's probably going to read it there there are people who do that yeah i mean being aware of when people are on when your followers are on when they're most active um, when they're going to be tuning in certain type, certain points of the day, um, being reactive to ongoing news, for example, if there's mm-hmm. a, a big announcement or if there, I mean, if there's uh, something that's that's happened, it'll be very interesting to see how um, how the 
local politicians here in Edmonton. And we saw this a few weeks ago at the big climate strike in Montreal, but with Greta Thunberg, who's coming to Edmonton mm-hmm. on Friday. Friday. How many federal politicians are going to show up and try to make that part of their there. part of their yeah. story and their I, narrative? I, that's the first thing I thought when I heard. <laughs> oh, they're going to be politicians like, just like clamoring to get silk. <laughs> It's going to be awful. It's going to be ugly. To speak to that, I mean, campaigns are 24-7. So, and a a good social media campaign gives that behind the scenes. So it's, it, it won't be nine to five, but if it's in within reason, it's really cool to see the behind the scenes because a lot of people, it campaigns can be a bit mysterious and it's kind of interesting to see what's happening, pulling up the veil a bit and showing people. So, but being at three o'clock in the morning or posting really early or ranting or whatever doesn't work and it doesn't work in any industry. Mm-hmm. Right? So, but there is a bit more flexibility with politics because it's just a nonstop ongoing until election day. <laughs> right. And we know the what the ballots say. I feel like a sentiment I'm seeing repeatedly on social media this election is that it's the worst. <laughs> And people are tired. They're tired of what they're seeing in their feeds. Probably negativity, uh, but I think maybe volume as well. Just wondering what your advice is perhaps for politicians or just organizations when it comes to wanting to break out of all of the noise and stand out from all of that noise. Um, you mentioned earlier maybe maybe be a little more positive, um, but, but any other tips or advice that you'd share? I mean, I mean, it, it, it has, I mean, it, this election, it's not the longest election we've had. The 2015 election was actually like oh, 20 days man. long, 30 days longer than oh, this geez. election. But, uh, but, but this one seems, I mean, it feels, I, I've, I've heard that sentiment as well. I've kind of felt it. It feels horrible. It just doesn't feel good, right? It's dirty. It feels like you need a shower. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, the, the, the parties are pushing kind of, negative, horrible yes. narratives. There's been a ton of, like, opposition research that's just been, like, dumped mm-hmm. in this campaign. I mean, we've kind of reached this point where social media and the election is all about dumping <laughs> oppo, research. oppo research. And we saw this We saw this during the provincial election yeah. in the spring. Uh, we see this now during the federal election. And, I like, I hope it's, like, not the trend. Right. Um, because I don't think it, it, it's not very hopeful. Because we actually are discussing real issues in this campaign and there are there is a lot at stake and the parties are actually talking about issues they're proposing policies so it's not like it's a totally like vacuous campaign i agree i think there's been a lot of policy it's just hard to cut through all the oppo research and the blackface and all that kind of stuff that's just easier to report Mm -hmm. it's that's easy to understand it's harder to understand the nuance of a new homeowner's policy or something like that so i get why it happens but Cut, as a consumer, people need to cut through a bit more and go to the websites and go and do a bit more work on your end. Because it, yeah. No one wants to hear that. It's important. And you've got, there's so many places you can go. That's the thing. Yeah. You, you've got lots of sources lots to of educate yourself. And, and Yeah. And so just, I, but it's been unfortunate because, you know, I have a lot of non-political friends and they, that's all I'm hearing from them. All I'm hearing is that this has been one of the worst campaigns they've ever seen. And that's what people's, you know, memories are always a little hate because, you know, there's yeah. been really bad other <laughs> Let's be honest. But this one has been marked with just so much negativity because, again, going back to the fact, very tight polls. Mm-hmm. You have to suppress vote. You have to get out your base. This is very strategic, and I see why it's happening. But it, you're at home, and you don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. You wouldn't get why. 
why we're seeing just the volume of the negativity. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do think it's interesting that, and you see this in the United, in the United States, and you see a lot of talk about this in the United States in terms of social media and politics and political narratives, is that the the national is always, is like, is very local, right? So it's like mm-hmm. in the United States, it's like Trump, 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 mm. Trump, 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 AFC, Trump, 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 Biden, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, uh, um, but like, I mean, there's so much focus on, uh, I, th- I think, Political, I think social media kind of reinforces those kind of national political narratives. Yeah. So like we're not, you don't hear from as much from local, can, you, you don't, there's not much, as much focus on local candidates, even if the leaders and the parties are how people are making up their minds. Right. Everything feels like a national debate. Yes. Which is surprising in Alberta because there really are only three competitive races. So it's, it, there's not a lot to cover. That's why I'm yeah. actually... In this province, because in, if you're in Ontario, it's just a mess. There's so much going on. It's hard to cover it, so you really are only doing central campaign. But we really only have three local campaigns mm-hmm. here, unfortunately. And I say that because I like to see competitive races always. I like people having to earn their votes and make right. sure that they win. But, yeah, it's. I really hope this is not the norm. I really hope that this election is not... The start of just the end of just <laughs> people like because if it's like this every election after this it's not going to be voter turnout is just going to keep going down because people are turning off and that's why I think voter turnout is going to be a lot lower than last time it was sixty eight percent last time was it sixty eight percent Dave's the expert <laughs> he's, like, he's like what's the number I got it <laughs> I really don't think I mean it's going to be I think it's going to be a lot lower like 50-ish uh, and if we just keep having these just entrenched partisan just beyond slugfest it's just going to keep going lower no matter what elections Canada tries to do no with matter their, what social media with strategies their are, features yeah people will turn off and I, I, I think politics should I mean politics shouldn't be comfortable Mm-hmm. We're talking about ideas, there's the, it's going to be contentious. It's yeah. going to be uncomfortable. But I think we've kind of reached a point past that. <laughs> um, like you know, th- we have political parties that have very different visions of Canada, but but like it's just, they're so focused on like these really negative narratives. And I think one yep. of the things that's interesting in terms of of how the parties are using social media is I've noticed that like the leaders of the leaders are participating in the negative stuff, but for the most part, it's the parties' ca- accounts. Mm-hmm. So like. The Conservative Party account or the Liberal Party account. Yeah. That, that's those are the accounts that they are really going hard work. negative. <laughs> and then the leaders are like, "Oh, here's Andrew Shear. We're trying a puppy. Yeah, yeah. we're trying you to know, be positive. Yeah, you're right. totally. So that their their names not attached to it. It's it's yeah. So again, as someone watching it, look at that. Who's putting out the ad? How's the later leader portrayed? That kind of stuff. But but yeah, it, it's just become very very uh, negative. Yeah. And that just doesn't, on social media, that's just not standing out this time. And mm-hmm. people are turning it off. And again, why we think Jugmeat, I don't, but will that translate into votes? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's peaked way too late. It might make a difference in a few writings. But, and so the lesson from that is, well, it works a little bit, but it doesn't, you know. So if you're a political operative, you're going to look at that and say, well, it worked a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't change. Or maybe the, the timing of it wasn't, yeah, wasn't, it wasn't yeah. quite early enough. enough. Yeah. Well, so, and, and leaders and messages may appeal w- will appeal differently in different regions of the country. We are a country of regions. Yes. Um, I mean, the the political debate that's happening here in Alberta is very different than the political debate happening in British Columbia mm-hmm. or Ontario or Quebec. Or Quebec. And oh, yeah, so so we're like, I mean, social media allows us to kind of it 
if we want, broaden our perspective, but in a lot of ways, I think it siloizes us. Yeah. And regionally, I, I think it hasn't helped Canada, like our politics as a whole. I think it's right. helped kind of like deepen those regional divides. Yeah. And you can see all the parties have different messages for different regions of the country. They're saying different things. Mm-hmm. They're focusing on different policies on a different, and on different issues because the, the Canada... Regions are different, and people people think care about different things. Care yeah. about different things, and prioritize things differently. Um, yeah. Hmm. All right. Last question: Is there uh, anything else that you think we've missed that you haven't uh, had a chance to say? Just in terms of um, how politicians, parties can use social, can use digital, or how social media strategists and and companies outside of, of politics um, should keep in mind uh, as as they go forward, as they try to get their message out there uh, or build their brands. I'm always of the you know more puppies and kittens. <laughs> if you can integrate that into your strategy you're you're doing okay but what but what about you guys you probably have a bit bit better insight I, I, I think that I, I, I think that 29 the 2019 federal election is going to be a very interesting case study mm-hmm. for social the social communication strategists social media strategists students of communication uh, in the future um, in terms of how the parties are using whether this approach works wh- whether it gets the results they want in terms of the the parties um, uh, getting the voter turnout, get whether the negative messages and the positive messages that both parties or all the parties have used actually actually work to, to whether, whether it actually translates into votes and translates mm-hmm. into seats. And works. Yeah. And works, yeah. yeah. For me, it's just, I, I the biggest take home is, you know, any successful social is backed by a good story. And so I hope politicians take away that it's not a just, like I said earlier, throwing stuff up, hoping something sticks, but having it coming to social with a story. What's the story that you're telling? Yeah, And like any good marketing that's done anywhere, not even just on social media, what's your story? Why are you doing it? That kind of, because I think people do cling to that in a sea of just stuff being posted. (laughs) When there's a story, when there's a narrative, positive or negative, people will turn their head because look what Trump has done. There is a story. He's the underdog. He's fighting against the elites. There's there's a story there. I don't like that story, Mm -hmm. but that's a story. So going back, even politicians need to look and say, before you collect that post button, what is your story? Does this add to your narrative in a, in a good way? Yeah. And is it authentic? Because you can see through that stuff a, a mile away. And it used to work. It's for many, you know, we're new into this, but it's been working, for, but not well. <laughs> but it's really, the, it's days or numbers where you can just post crap and people, <laughs> that stuff is just garbage now. And yeah. if politicians just think they can keep going that way or parties, um, they've missed the boat. So again, story and just having that, you know, having that great story and being really authentic and honest, people are craving that. Great. Well, thank you so much, you guys. Thank you very much. We've just had a great conversation with Dave and Catherine. Um, Be sure to, you know, if you're listening to this before the election, be sure to go and vote. Um, Vote, vote, vote. vote. And if it's after the election, you know, see if the percentages and things that they they predicted came true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you so much again. uh, We're a proud member of the uh, Alberta Podcast Network. We're reporting at Nate's. Uh, We're going to have a few end credits rolling shortly. And uh, next episode will be in November. Thanks for listening. The podcast you are listening to today was produced by Matt Matischuk at the Nate Radio and Television Studios. The music bed for this episode was produced with the help of Doug Hoyer. The logo for Don't Call Me a Guru was designed with the help of graphic designer Rory Lee. 
Don't Call Me a Guru is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Financial.